Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Natalie Moore in for Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Questions are swirling about train safety in our region after the events of the past week. A freight train hit a semi-truck, killing one person. A CTA crash injured dozens of riders, and there was also an Amtrak train derailment. Is the timing just a coincidence, or do we have a problem here? To find out, we spoke with Joseph Schweiderman, a professor of public policy and urban planning at DePaul University and president of Chicago's Transportation Research Forum and Sophie Sherry, who has been reporting on the CTA crash for the Chicago Sun-Times. I started off by asking the professor if the number of crashes this week is unusual and what it says about transportation safety in the region. We have seen uh, certainly an uptick, and it's discouraging. And I think a lot of the uh, problems pertain to attentiveness, either of drivers, truck drivers, uh, train crew, but even more importantly, drivers who are crossing railway tracks. And it's just been really disconcerting to see a number of accidents, including last week we had 200 passengers on a train near Buffalo hitting an empty car. So it's an unfortunate fact of post-pandemic life. Yesterday, a freight train crashed into a semi-truck, killing the driver inside. This was at a rail yard on the south side of Chicago. The details of this crash are still emerging. But, Joe, can you tell us the nature of a freight train crash versus a CTA crash? You know, that's one thing I've been talking about during this uh, CTA crisis is that, you know, you can stop a L train reasonably quick. And, uh, you know, again, it's uh, <laughs> a couple thousand feet sometime. You know, but a freight train, two-mile freight train, may take a couple miles to stop. And so, you know, it's just uh, context-sensitive, The uh, certainly – racing to cross a train across the tracks uh you know unfortunately if you're on the losing end of that it's uh it's instant death and unfortunately for amtrak we see truck drivers increasingly going around gates uh perhaps naively misjudging the speed of trains or thinking the train could stop but there was some problem you said a couple of miles to stop you know if it's on a downhill grade and it's uh, a long train it's uh very difficult to uh you know to slow the momentum of a train like that in certain contexts. And I think, um, you know, one thing that uh, we see is that uh, the CTA with its short trains, like on the Purple Line, those trains can stop pretty quick because of the fairly light nature of it. They're not carrying massive locomotives or fuel. Uh, But, boy, you get on mainline railroading, and it's a whole uh, whole different thing. And unfortunately, uh, in our city, you know, most of the railway crossings at grade, we call them, street level, are gone because of ordinances back in the early 1900s. But there's still a bunch out there. And you get out in the suburbs, we have more highway crossings than any other region in the country. So it's just a fact of life, those risks. Sophie, let's get everyone up to speed. Fill us in on the basics of the CTA crash last Thursday. Thursday morning, a yellow line train heading into the Howard Station on the north side crashed into a snowplow or a snow removal train that was on those same tracks there. The train was going about 30 miles per hour, which people have said is the normal pace there. 
Uh, 38 people were injured, 15 or so refused medical attention at the scene, um, but there were still three people critically injured. Thankfully, none of those injuries were life-threatening, but still a very serious incident and incredibly scary for um, those who were on board. You spoke with a family on the first train car whose toddler's first train ride got short, cut short by this. What was their experience? Yeah, I spoke with um, Stephen Elmer, who was on the train. He was actually a New York resident visiting his daughter in Skokie. Um, he, his wife, his daughter, and their her two-year-old twins um, were going for the twins' first choo-choo train ride. Uh, very excited. Uh, Stephen actually shared with me a lot of photos um, just of the family posing on the platform there, just excited to get on board with the kids. Um, unfortunately, that obviously changed very quickly. Uh, they were all in the first car um, and described sort of flying up as the train crashed into the snowplow machine. Thankfully, um, the twins were strapped into their stroller, which um, their mother, Margaret, you know, attributes to them not being seriously injured or injured at all. Um, Stephen was probably the most injured of the family. He hit his head and had to get 12 stitches at the hospital. Um, but the whole family is just thankful that they weren't more seriously injured, um, really applauded the work of the first responders who got them out of there um, and attended to those more seriously injured. But the family has a lot of questions um, as to how this could happen. Joe, I understand that you actually saw the yellow line train from a window of the purple line. What did you see? I did, and uh, it's just good to see things firsthand. I mean, one year always struck by the enormity of that Howard Yard. It's a, uh, you know, it's a focal point for the CTA with the purple, uh, yellow, and red line all coming together. But it's also a storage facility, and there's balloon tracks to turn around trains, and uh, and so you realize that coming into that station, it's a little bit of a chaotic visual experience for a motorman on a train because so much is happening. So uh, you know, you're seeing it firsthand. You're just struck at the. Uh, and the gruesomeness of the front end of that uh, L car that's uh, you know bashed in from that equipment. So you know this investigation is going to um, take through this piece by piece, and there's still a fair amount of mystery as what happened, uh, but we know a little bit more than we did a couple of days ago. What was your reaction when you witnessed this? Yeah, certainly it was a day after, but you uh, you know when you have an accident like this, it's very important to be able to. Um, let the investigator sort of dismantle the equipment to see exactly what happened. And uh, uh, there were quite a few inspectors still around looking at the uh, equipment. Uh, credit the CTA for getting the system back running because, you know, this, this uh, wrecked train is just a few dozen feet away from the purple line. Uh, but I do think, uh, you know, these are older cars, these uh, 5,000 series cars, and it's uh, going to be a lot of questions that did they did they function as expected on impact. Uh, and I think what I was struck by is that, you know, two train cars hit at 26 miles per hour, one stationary, one moving, you're going to have damage. But you're not going to have anything like the damage you're going to have if there's a metal projectile sticking out from the car, like we did with that snow removal uh, vehicle, which is punctured and ripped into the front of that train. Kind of a worst-case scenario. Sophie, the yellow line is still down with buses replacing the trains. And meanwhile, the National Transportation Safety Board is doing an independent investigation. How long can we expect to hear the full results of that? It's going to be months, um, probably. I believe the last estimate the board gave us was maybe 12 to 18 months. Um, 
this is obviously a very thorough investigation. And like you said, the line itself is still shut down as they're working through that scene in detail. But the board has clarified that they will continue to share their findings with the CTA throughout this investigation in case the CTA needs to ask act on any urgent um, safety issues. Is there anything that we know preliminary, prelim, preliminarily right now? Uh, yeah. So we know that there may have been an issue in terms of the design um, and how much distance was needed for a train car like this to break. Um, the safety board has also addressed some possible concerns about human error. They have said that it doesn't appear that this um, conductor was distracted or anything like that. So those are some of the things they have shared with us so far um, as this investigation really just gets underway. The train was traveling at a speed of about 27 miles per hour when it struck that snowplow, according to these early um, investigation results. And it should have been able to stop within 1,780 feet, but it didn't. What does that tell you, Joe? The thing I'm curious about is the visual, uh, you know, line of the uh, of the conductor, the motorman, and when he could see that train in front. And coming around that curve, you know, where the yellow line meets the, the busy main line, you do wonder if he had uh, 1,700 or even to 2,700 feet to stop. And I would think not. Um, I'm also uh, curious about this comment about residue on the tracks, and that uh, could mean that there's, you know, leaves have been smashed over the tracks. It's fall season, so that residue could be oil from the from the leaves that could have slowed thing down, or could be uh, some other uh, slippery device on the track. So, it's uh, what we don't know yet is if the uh, if the uh, train was moving at excessive speed or even uh, uh, um, slightly over speed limit, and could have stopped had uh, you know had normal conditions prevailed without that residue. So it's an, a new variable that I really haven't seen before in accidents is how stopping distance could be affected by, you know, this track residue. And that could have pretty sweeping implications. What about weight? Is that uh, something that's being looked into, the, the amount of weight that was on the trains? Well, you know, we're all asking why this uh, snow rotary was moving uh, a plow on the middle of the day. And you got a lot of trains moving back and forth to Oakton because a lot of maintenance is done. That's a stop uh, on the yellow line where there's some yard facilities. And usually that's moved at night. And the yellow line, of course, shuts down at night, so it's uh, it's safe passage there. Uh, not only that, but we had, uh, I think, you know, five or more people on that uh, rotary snowplow. So really was uh, an unconventional thing. And... Um, you know, usually when a train gets stopped on the tracks, you know, the signals turn red, people stop. Uh, in this case, uh, the train, of course, didn't stop, and we're not sure why. Uh, radio communication, impressive how the uh, dispatching crew mobilized into action, calling the trains, stay, stay where you are, but didn't reach this train, the very one that we needed to contact, and that's uh, a head-scratcher. Sophie, what are some unanswered questions that you still have? There are a lot of questions, um, and Joe touched on some of these. Uh, obviously, we're curious about the role residue might have played. Um, the safety board has made mention of this, but uh, we don't really know yet You know, if there were things on the tracks effect affecting uh, the braking of the train. 
Um, and the big question that we're asking that the passengers are asking um, is why there was a snowplow on the tracks at this time. As Joe mentioned, um, you know, it seems that it would make more sense for this plow to be there maybe in the evening hours, as the CTA has told us um, that this plow was there for sort of training reasons, um, preparing for the winter months. Um, so it was conducting business there. Uh, we just don't know why right there and at that time, um, which is obviously a big question. And then again, uh, just the role of human error, um, if there was, if that contributed to this crash at all, sort of remains. Um, like I said, the safety board has said this conductor wasn't distracted, um, but that still raises the questions of if um, and when he was alerted to this train and how. Joe, one proposed solution is something called positive train control. Can you explain what that is? controller PTC is a system of interconnected uh, wireless devices that can automatically uh, break a train uh, when it sees the trains in harm's way and it's uh, much more sophisticated than the old systems where it's a GPS based system where all trains communicate and uh, the brakes are you know speed is controlled and brakes are attached automatically overriding what the uh, what the conductor does the engineer in the case of uh, locomotive railroads so it's really um, mandated by Congress after a terrible accident on Amtrak a number of years ago and most of the freight railroads and Metra now have PTC but uh, it's proven a bridge too far for some of the, the rail transit agencies. We'll have to leave that there. That's Joseph Sweeterman, professor of public policy and urban planning at DePaul University and president of Chicago's Transportation Research Forum and Sophie Sherry with the Chicago Sun-Times. Thank you both. That's all for this episode. It was produced by Max Lubers and edited by Linnea Dominic and Brenda Ruiz. If you like this episode, consider subscribing or rating the podcast. We drop two episodes each weekday, one in the morning and one in the afternoon. I'm Natalie Moore and for Sasha Ann Simons. We'll speak again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.